Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, English Standard Version. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm Victoria Kay. Today, we're going to continue our series that we are calling Raising Christian Kids in a Creepy Culture. Our society has changed dramatically in the last few decades, but unfortunately, these changes have not made for a better environment for passing along our Christian faith. Unlike in previous times, very few, if any, of our cultural institutions reinforce a Christian ethic or set of values. Some are downright hostile to the Christian faith and will ever passively or actively attempt to impede parents from helping kids from a solid Christian worldview. But today, we're really happy to have someone in the studio who has done exactly that. In the studio again with us today, we have Candy Coates. Candy was a working mom and wife of a successful lawyer and businessman. Most importantly of all, though, Candy and her husband raised two children who do possess strong Christian faiths of their own. This is not a small accomplishment. Some surveys reveal that as many as 75% of children who are raised in a Christian home will abandon or lose their faith when they leave home. This is a tragedy, but it is a preventable one. On an earlier episode of Anchored by Truth, Candy told us her own story of how her parents helped her develop her faith. But as Candy has noted, her upbringing in the small Florida community of Cross City helped shape that faith because it was so prevalent in the community at that time. We would encourage all Anchored by Truth listeners who missed that episode to go to our website, crystalcbooks.com, and catch her inspiring story. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S-E-A-B-O-O-K-S dot com. I think Candy's story emphasizes one simple fact in a very profound way. Candy's grandparents had a strong Christian faith. Her grandparents imparted that faith to her parents, and her parents did that for her. And now, Candy has passed that legacy along to the next generation. In our last episode of Anchored by Truth, we talked with Candy about some ideas that Candy used with her children to pass that legacy. Candy did a lot with her children before they entered school to begin building the foundations for their faith. And she continued her patient, consistent approach throughout their school years and even beyond. And Candy, you have a good story that illustrates some of the challenges your daughter has faced after college, don't you? Yes. I went to visit our child in Atlanta. And, you know, now she's a young adult, professionally employed in this kind of thing. And she takes me to supper. And I look over and I go, oh, wow, honey. Um, I see the young man there in a ponytail with his head shaved and about 30 pounds overweight. And his belly's kind of hanging out from under his shirt. And he's wearing a too small pair of flip-flops and a pair of shorts. So I look over at our daughter and I say, oh, sweetheart, how have you avoided the temptation? 
And she laughs a bit and says, Mom, welcome to my world. See, this is what I've been trying to tell you. Welcome to my world. But we had a chat, and it opened the door for a short conversation, but a meaningful one, in which we spoke about how, you know, not trying to be tight-laced or anything, but kind of spoke about how important respect is with your own personal relationship with the Savior, and then in your professional existence and in your personal life, and how if you can't start with respect, and every barrel rests on its own bottom, so to speak, but if you can't start with that committed respect, Where does it go from there? And so if you can't individually kind of have that respect, it's hard to build it later in life. It's hard to start from scratch. There's no foundation. And you need a cornerstone, you know, and that cornerstone is pivotal in all the bricks that are laid thereafter. And how sturdy they will be is based on the premise of that cornerstone. Well, I think that story makes some very important points. First, It's truly wonderful that you have the kind of relationship with your grown daughter that permits you to have that kind of conversation with her. Sadly, I can imagine that there are many people who hear that story and can only wonder or envy your bond with your daughter. So much happens to kids in college these days that a lot of parents find out that the person who graduated from the school is not the person that entered freshman year. And tragically, one of the things that often happens is that college graduate loses that close connection with their family and parents. You didn't, and that's such a blessing. Second, you are still helping your daughter prepare for success in life. Because your child has graduated from college doesn't mean that they are prepared to engage all the challenges that are headed their way. And your daughter still recognizes that she can benefit from your wisdom and life experience. And how wonderful is that? And third, you are continuing to mentor your kids in their faith and helping them understand that none of us ever outgrow our reliance on Jesus, the Bible, and the transcendent truth that the Bible communicates. In fact, as we grow throughout life, we will grow in our dependence on Jesus and the Bible because the wiser we are, the more we realize that there are the only sure guides that will not fail us in a fallen creation. And I love that expression that you used, every barrel must rest on its own bottom. (laughs) You have another expression that I really like, you have to keep your reflectors clean. We're always saying to our kids, hey, remember to keep those reflectors clean. And we mean that by if we are called fundamentally at our core to glorify the Savior, and I believe that we certainly are. Glorify the Holy Trinity, you know, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and honor them. If we're to do that, that's the reason we're working to discipline ourselves spiritually and have a consistent plan for that. And so we need to keep our reflectors of God's glory clean to truly reflect back on Him as brilliantly as He can allow us to. And so if we want to be used by Him, we've got to keep it clean. And thankfully, he allows us to stay in communication with him at any time through prayer, and that is just vital. But we need to keep our spiritual part of the bargain, is what I'm trying to express. And when I say keep your reflectors clean. So that's the kind of shorthand that you used with your kid. Exactly. Are you keeping it clean? You know, so that he can shine through you. And that's a great way of thinking about our relationship with Jesus. We do not only have a close relationship with Jesus, but we want to show others the benefit of that kind of relationship. But we can only do that 
as we reflect Him and His beauty and holiness. We do want Jesus to shine through us because it is Jesus who is the Savior. Those of us who know Jesus have hope that it's only because of the hope that He provides. As the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, we have a hope that, quote, lies with us, unquote, and we have to be prepared to give others a reason we have that hope, because it does take work for us to be prepared to give those reasons, doesn't it? I would say to people, well, do you need a burlap bag for all those excuses? Because mankind comes up with a lot of, frankly, wimpy excuses for not doing what we're really here to do. Nobody said it would be easy. Nobody said you'd get a rose garden. But you have to consistently show up for work. It's really no different in mankind's world than it is in the spiritual world. You can't be part of an army if you don't show up. And you can't underestimate what God can do with anything. More importantly, what God can do with nothing. But in the Christian's case, He can do plenty if you have the status of the heart that says, Lord, I want to show up for you. Point and click me. I'm on it with your power. Well, I think that is absolutely right. Anything that we do for Jesus, we do through his power. Since we know that he created the heavens and the earth, we know that he does have power to accomplish anything that he wants. And he will use that power to help us if our desire is genuinely to serve him. I think that that is something that is often lost in this day and age, where there are a lot of distorted ideas about Christianity that tend to circulate. Many people seem to think that God's chief purpose is to glorify them rather than the reverse. Our purpose is to glorify God. And why shouldn't it be? God is, after all, perfect in all His ways, and He deserves to be glorified. But a lot of people sometimes seem to get that backward. Some people seem to think that they can direct God rather than recognizing that God is the one who does the directing. I've said to people, you know, in conversation, well, don't be throwing down a hoop for God to jump through. God does not respond in our time frame. To me, it reveals what you don't know about who God is. Make it your business to know about who God is. And that's going to take a little sweat equity. That's okay. You spend your time and money in other ways, okay? But it's really your personal commitment to get to know Him better. And that's going to take a little sweat equity, but it'll be the best you've ever spent doing anything. I think those are very wise observations. They are obviously pertinent for believers of all ages. But believers who have kids just entering college can be faced with some special challenges, can't they? I believe your son Mason went to the University of Alabama. How did you and your husband handle getting Mason set up for a successful college career at Alabama? Mason went to the University of Alabama for his education after high school. We went with our son to the University of Alabama for orientation, and it included the entire family. And so my husband and I went and heard the dean of students speak, and we had gotten our kind of marching orders, I call them, of the things you would need as a freshman in the honors dorm. And we did purchasing of the usual items that a college student needs together, and all Alabama-oriented, of course, and then helped him pack up and take off to Alabama. He and his father had gone to just look at the campus when he first applied, and they came back and said, oh yeah, this is where I'm meant to be. They both were very much enamored in it. And when I went to see it at the orientation, I too was enamored with the beautiful campus. 
And I love their commitment to excellence was really the premise of the institution, which I'm very much on board with. But we were very involved as his family to help him get packed and get ready to go and be suited up. And in fact, when we went to the registrar at orientation, the three of us, the registrar said, you realize you're just a few hours away from being a sophomore. Mason had been taking those AP classes in public school and had garnished a number of credits that went towards his favor in entering college. And what kind of guidance did you give Mason about holding on to his Christian faith? How did you help him get prepared for the challenges he would face in college about his faith? Not only did he leave equipped with devotionals and a Bible that was age-appropriate so that it can keep flowing with him, so it was a young adult, probably the New Living Translation. And also, as Mason had noted to us when they were just viewing the campus the first time on their initial visit, he said, Mom, they have the cutest Methodist church right there on campus across the street from the stadium. And indeed, they did. So I thought that was a great observation on his part when he first came to look at the campus. But I was basically, with his spiritual life, the same as other aspects of life, son. You're Diana Ross now. We're just the backup singer. So make it good. You know, it's your job to keep those good habits in place. Of course, we always stayed in touch, and I would send him by text photos of church signs that had great, what I would say, one-liners in a Proverbs kind of way, thinking, and um, he would send back. And then I always appreciated, Mom, will you pray for so-and-so? Listing another buddy, you know, or another situation. And whether I knew the child's name or not, I would pray specifically for that situation. And I appreciated being asked to pray. Because it reflected to me the status of your heart. This best request you can ever get. You know, will you pray for me? Absolutely. Will you pray for my buddy? Will you pray for this situation that's happening on campus? But as he went off to college, it was a period of time in our campus landscape nationally where security was a bigger issue than it had ever been. And it was reflected in the tuition bill, actually. And which we were happy to participate in that. But I'm just saying it was kind of also sad that security had become such an issue on a campus. What kind of difference do you think Mason's faith made in his college experience? I think it made a great deal of difference in the way he perceived what his environment was. I think Mason's faith was very important to his college experience and to his life experience. And I think, let's say by his junior year, was really maturing across the board in his faith, in his emotions, you know, just really maturing. There's a large difference between an entering senior and a day one freshman in the college experience. So absolutely, I feel like our children were grounded when they set off for college. And that really was just vitally important in their lives and certainly in their college experience. What kind of religious life did Mason have in college? Did he routinely go to church and keep up with the kind of devotional habits that you had instilled in him before he left home? He did, and I think it opened his eyes on a large scale of the number of students that also were participating in fellowship for college age. And it's really significant for young people to see significant numbers of other young people with faith. It's very encouraging. And how about your daughter's church experience in college? Did she keep up regular attendance? 
I know she participated in the Wesleyan Fellowship, and she went with girlfriends to churches in the community. They went to the Methodist Church in the community, and then they visited another Presbyterian church together. She and her girlfriends would go kind of off campus to a larger community church, and she had a team of friends that were all quite faithful, and that was very encouraging. So, Caitlin had a group of Christian friends in college. How did that benefit her? Caitlin had a group of friends that were strong in the Christian faith, and they went to service together on a weekend. And you think that was important to Caitlin? Very important to Caitlin. These fundamental friendships that were Christian faithful, and then the worship together with other colleagues her age, just really benefited Caitlin in her college experience and life after her college experience, because she's remained close with these friends. Even though they have all kind of scattered to different parts of the country, they stay in touch. So it sounds like Caitlin's college experience with her faith actually helped her lay the groundwork for the lifelong friendships. Yes, Caitlin has lifelong friendships as a result of this good grounding, this faithful cornerstone that have served her not just through her college years, but are serving her in her early professional years, in her life going forward. It's just another good layer of Christian grounding. Are there any stories that you remember about your kids that reflect how their faith played a role in their lives during college? The number of stories that come to mind of when they were in college are mostly reflected by when they would call me and say, you know, I'm praying for so-and-so. Will you add them to your prayer list? This is what they're facing now. And I think that they were kind of overcome both separately at the various backgrounds that other young people were or were not provided with. And I think they saw for the first time in their lives the difference between having faith. All of us are under Romans. All of us are going to fall short. But at least your premise is he's number one and you're going to keep your refractors clean to honor him throughout life. And that means equipping yourself in who he is and what pleases him and what doesn't. And then coming from a nucleus family, that really helps with the cornerstone of faith. But when you get to college as a young person and you see the great numbers of young people that maybe didn't have that or didn't have several facets of that, but are now coming to faith, but they haven't had much to work with in their own home environment. Did either Mason or Caitlin run into any determined opposition to their faith? Did they run into any professors or their peers who openly denigrated or mocked them for being Christians? Well, I think, thankfully, that they didn't have opposition that was so strong that they felt violated. In other words, they did sense opposition, but it was mostly opposition from a void perspective, if that makes any sense. They're not having grounding. So they saw that as just as sad as crossing the line and being affrontive. But the lack of spiritual training, I will call it, you know, for want of a better term, was really eye-opening to them. That is something we don't think about a lot of time. Sometimes our kids will run into open or vocal opposition to their faith, but more often than not, what they will experience is friends or peers who just don't have any faith or who have never thought about faith. That can also be very detrimental for kids who haven't been properly prepared. Christians know that God made everything and that He isn't going away just because some people don't believe in Him. We also know that we have fallen far short of the standards that God has established for us in our lives and worship of Him. 
Well, today a lot of people don't know what we know, and so they just ignore one of the most fundamental attributes of reality, God's existence and the need to have a relationship with Him. And of course, that kind of apathy can be very tempting when kids are in college with too much to do and too much to think about anyway. What kind of contact did you have with Mason or Caitlin to try and continue to reinforce their contact with their faith? I always had what I would call a mail campaign going, and I always had a piece of mail to each of them on a weekly basis in some fashion. They would get a care package from home, homemade cookies, and a couple of special devotionals, or I would cut out a couple of verses and put them on index cards and glue them and say, this is your verse of the week, or put this in your car, this kind of thing. Or I would take a picture of a really good church sign and text it to them. And oftentimes they would say, Mom, how did you know it's like you're clairvoyant? How did you know I was struggling with this? You have no idea how timely this came in because I was just having breakfast with my friend, you know, X, and this was spot on. Well, of course, I wouldn't know that it would be spot on, but I'm just trying to fuel and reinforce what we had always established in our home. So you didn't know what your child needed at that moment, but the Lord knew. The Lord always knows what each of us needs. And the Lord can give us nudges when He wants us to reach out. Apparently, He did that for you. And it's probably because you were good at responding to the nudges. The bottom line is that the Lord will never let us down. Absolutely. And I always try to say that to them. You know, even there are times when Daddy and I will let you down, not knowingly, certainly not willingly, but we will. But the Savior will always be there for you 24-7. He picks up the phone. Remember, he never sleeps. So these, I would call them little vignettes of faithfulness, you know, to try to keep that line of faith fresh and reinforced with the idea of Ephesians. When the river rises, all boats rise. So I was trying to reward good habits and reinforce their desire to pray for one another. I would often say that's the most powerful thing you can do for anyone at any time. It it really is the most powerful thing you can do. And you're not doing it. (laughs) You know, it's part of keeping the reflector clean. You're raising it, but it will always be heard and received. And keep in mind that there has to be a premise to honor Him. That's your desire the whole time. It's kind of overwhelming you arrive in a campus with 40,000 of your closest friends, you know, (laughs) and you're just a kid yourself. I mean, you're arriving in a backpack and you're 19 barely. Caitlin, I don't even think, was 19 when she arrived at college yet because her birthday's late in the calendar year. But when you have those solid foundations, you're better equipped, you know, for your role as a Christian. And you have to keep re-equipping yourself, I call it, because the Word is so fresh and the Lord will speak to you in a certain verse in a certain way. But as life progresses, it will have on a new meaning to you when you read it. You know what I'm trying to express. And so I feel like The same is true in the chapters of our lives. So they've traversed young childhood, traversed middle school, they've traversed high school. And I keep reminding them, take a look over your shoulder. God has blessed you all through this. And he knew what you were going to face. He knows. So did your faith change while your kids were at college? Did you experience your faith in a new way as they were now out of home and beginning their lives on their own, so to speak? Yes. You know, you always know as a Christian that you want to be all in, 110%. But it takes a parent to a whole new level when you have knowledge because of your time on the planet 
of what all's out there. But you know they do not. You've got socks older than they are when they go off to college. And you know this. So to say that my knee time was even further increased is kind of the understatement of the year because I was in a perpetual prayer. But I have been thankful for that because I maintain it. (laughs) And, And he really, truly protected our children's lives. You know, you can take a 10 minute stroll on an interstate and see what I'm talking about with people not following the rules. And a mistake like that is irreparable. But more and more, God shows us how faithfulness is big. It's just really big. Knee time. I really like that. Crystal C. has published two books on prayer because we believe knee time should be the first response and not the last resort. Well, we'd really like to thank Candy Coates for being our guest on Anchored by Truth for this series. We're going to wrap up the series in our next episode by looking at one way Crystal Sea Books wants to help parents help their children build an enduring faith through the humor projects that we produce called Life Lessons with a Laugh. Candy has listened to just about all of our life lessons and agrees with us that humor can be a great way to bring down defenses and prepare parents and kids to share scriptural truths in an easy and natural way. Candy's story is a clear illustration of how sacred scripture, the Bible, continues to demonstrate its supernatural nature through lives that are changed for the better for all eternity by its saving power. Today, for our closing prayer, how about if we join in a prayer of adoration for the one who brings illumination of scripture into our lives, the Holy Spirit. A prayer of adoration of the Holy Spirit. Great and mighty God, you are the searcher of men's hearts and the only true joy for their souls. We worship gladly the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you rule and reign with the Father and the Son. When the Son completed his work and ascended to the Father, You came to be our comforter, instructor, and advocate. You came to take away our spiritual blindness and to make us alive to things of God. At Pentecost, you affirmed your presence in the world and established your dominion in the hearts of those who belong to the Son. Praise be to the one who tells us the truth about Jesus and who strengthens us against the forces of powers of wickedness that attack us in our humanity. Left to ourselves, we could never stand against the wiles of the evil one. But in you, we have victory, for greater are you than Satan who is in the world. You are worthy of exaltation and adoration, for you are fully God and Lord. You regenerate our hearts and bring light to our minds. Since you fully possess all knowledge and wisdom, you are the supreme teacher who not only imparts wisdom, but also gives us the capacity to absorb and understand that which you teach. Lord, we pray that we would be sensitive to your leading, and we praise you for being the faithful minister to our souls. Time and time again, you have gone before us to find the path that we should travel. You have never left us, even in those times we have grieved you or resisted your work. Finite man cannot fully comprehend the wondrous relationship that is shared by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
we know that the three persons of the Holy Trinity are perfect in unity, holiness, and beauty. We marvel at the grace manifested to us by the Father's sending, the Son's coming, and the Spirit's abiding. Surely such love deserves the response of full dedication to the one who first loved us, and we pray that such commitment might mark our lives. We lift our voices in songs of adoration and with the angels cry, Holy, holy, holy is our God and worthy to be praised. We bow before the light of our lives, the Lord of the universe, the Lamb of God. In Christ's precious name, we pray and give thanks. Amen. Is the Bible important in your life? Supporting Anchored by Truth with a contribution is an easy way to put your faith into action. The opportunity to help is available at crystalseabooks.com. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to commend us because we made His Word a priority in our lives and giving. We are grateful for your support and partnership. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage friends to tune in also or to listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com where We're not perfect, but our boss is. And for those of you who need that website one more time, that's crystalseabooks.com. Crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-S-E-A, and books, B-O-O-K-S, Thank you for your support.